All right, Proverbs 27 this morning. Cup of Joe, if you're watching the video. If not, Spotify has a video option now, which is cool. Pretty exciting. Do not boast about tomorrow. This is verse one, chapter 27, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Oh. First question that pops up as I look at that is before we start at verse one, what in the world is provocation? Definition. I was not a studious person in school before halfway through college, so I missed a lot of things. Provocation definition would have been, would have been one of them. Action or speech that makes someone annoyed or angry, especially <laughs> deliberately. You should, example, you should remain calm and not respond to provocation. <laughs> okay. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. So somebody who is godless, as we talked about in chapter 26, is the fool who Solomon regularly comes down on. Apparently, that person deliberately annoying you is is just a heavy burden to bear so maybe don't surround yourself with those people all right so verse one do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth i think that speaks into that humility thing and maybe just an arrogance as well of one maybe not even maybe one some things maybe you shouldn't just talk about. I've been feeling the weight of that some with business as we have shifted my wife's business, which is our family business, but she is the face of runs it as we've shift, shifted the structure of that. And it has become more successful from a financial standpoint, which is the number one goal in business most, most of the time. But we don't need to talk about it a whole lot. I think it's, it's, it's fun to be excited about seeing new phases, changes, and those things working and working well. But at the same time, it, it's good to not boast about tomorrow. Like we don't know what's going to happen. We don't like the bottom may fall out on Thursday. Today's Wednesday when we record when I'm recording this. So it's fine to be excited about it, but not to be arrogant about it. And and in terms of boasting, like just don't toot your own horn. Don't, I don't know, trying to choose words wisely on what should or could or can be said here. Maybe what I'm trying to get at is just, I, as of late, have felt more weight on, ah, maybe there are some things I should not say or should not talk about or should not tell someone about so that I'm not erring on that side of, hey, look how well we've done, or look how, like, hey, look at me, look at me, 
success, I have felt the burden to, to not, not that I'm winning all the time, but she has been winning. But yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Like that, that even as I read this passage and then feel that kind of like tear between the two, oh, maybe I should do a better job with that. So, because I, we don't know what tomorrow is bringing. And I, as an athlete, I tried not to talk trash very much in the middle of games because anytime I did, it seemed to backfire. And I would much rather stay quiet, play and win. And then, and then not have to talk about it anyways, but I hate losing. I always, from the time I was little till adult softball, co-ed and grapevine, I hated losing. So why that's in there, why I use that as an example, I don't know. Verse two, let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. If you have to say it out loud, it's probably not true. Hey, I'm so great. Like if, if you really are great at fill in the blank, you don't have to say it. We all know it already. It not in, this was always hard too. Like, is like we talked about humility, that idea of not thinking less of yourself, just thinking about yourself less. If I am praising myself so much, if I'm talking about me and how good I am at fill in the blank, one, if I'm having the if I have to tell somebody else, it's probably not true. Now, if I'm in a job interview and they're asking my giftings and like, what am I good at? Where have I seen success? That's completely appropriate. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to say, oh, I'm just okay at things. No, like sell yourself and make sure you communicate what you are good at. But in general, those around you, those who work with you, those who see you consistently, your family, they all know what you're good at and they know what you're not good at. We like, we, we all know. We can all tell. So if, if kind, elevating words are going to be said or things are going to be done, let somebody else do that. Don't do it. Solomon's like, don't do it for yourself. Let somebody else do that. It's more honoring anyways. It means more when someone else is saying it rather than you. And if no one is saying anything, it's either you need to put yourself around other people who, who do encourage and say things like that or you need to evaluate and maybe maybe something's wrong with me maybe maybe there isn't anything that like maybe some things need to be fixed i've been in that spot before it's like it's it's really me it's not anyone around me it's like something's wrong with me i need to fix that and then there have been other times when i needed a different environment because the environment i was in was just negative Sometimes it's like that. Some leaders are that way. Some leaders try to lead from a negative standpoint or a pitting people against one another rather than having a healthy balance of pushing you being kind of at that end right there. Verse five, better is open rebuke than hidden love. First or chapter 26 says faithful are the wounds of a friend. I think it's chapter 26. What verse is that? We talked about 26 obviously yesterday, but we did not go through the entire chapter. I always say it's chapter 26 when I refer to that, and it's not. It's chapter 27 because it's the next verse. Come on, Case. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Maybe should have read the next verse before guessing at where it's at. 
There is a six involved, though. So it's chapter 27, verse six. What was I saying? Let another praise you, not with your own mouth, someone else, not of your own lips. However, it's better in terms of productivity. And if you are a coachable, coachable person and you're able to receive like, hey, this is wrong right now. That's that is an art form. That's a practice. That is not a natural thing. I don't I don't know anybody. Okay. Picking, I paused for a second. You don't know that because the just pause and pick it back up, back up, but I had to pause for a moment. So it's this is this is interesting. Solomon's talking because he's saying, one, don't boast about tomorrow. Like it, not only don't boast about tomorrow, but don't be the one who is praising yourself. Let somebody else do that. If somebody's going to say things that are encouraging, that are uplifting, that are, hey, you're really good at, or man, you killed it at, fill in the blank. It, obviously I'm not thinking less of myself. I'm just thinking about myself less, but I'm letting other people be the ones who bring that up. But at the same time, verse five and six have this, it, it's not the polar opposite. It's just the flip side of that coin. It's actually better to have a friend who is going to openly rebuke you, meaning rebuking saying, Hey, here's where you're wrong than it is for somebody to have a hidden love for you. And then verse, verse six, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So like if somebody you're not close to who isn't in your circle is doing nothing but like pouring on, that may, that may mean something the opposite of what's happening. There may be an agenda. I'm not saying don't think the best about people and and not promoting being a pessimist but at the same time solomon says like hey if you're seeing that a lot it not just one thing but it's like an enemy multiplies kisses they may not be on your side but who you can trust is a person who is a friend who will come and and again faithful are the wounds of a friend or wounds from a friend can be trusted that doesn't mean your friend stabbing you in the back that's not what it means, but he uses the word wounds, which means somebody you love, someone that loves you, that uh, that you trust, care for, and have a genuine relationship with. When they tell you you're wrong, that's hurtful. That's not it. And so, but at the same time, Solomon is, is saying that's a benefit for you. There's a benefit to the wounds. There's a benefit to the hurtfulness that you can, if you can not get stuck there, but rather, okay. My, this person loved me enough to hurt me, but in a way that is for it, it's like parenting a kid, right? Like when they're three and you're outside in the yard and they're playing and they're playing with the ball and the ball rolls out in the street and you say, don't run in the street. And then you tell them again, don't run in the street, don't run in the street. And then eventually the majority, maybe not the majority and the majority of my children, which means two and the majority being all of them, at one point, I had to spank them in that context of don't run in the street. Why? Because you're three and cars drive by. And if you run in the street chasing a ball when a car drives by, it's going to kill you. So like I'm using something that is physically painful for a period of time 
but I'm using that so that you will learn the lesson that actually will save your life. So there's another, if you now got offended because I spanked my children, spare the rod and spoil the child, which is Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but the one, let me finish that. I had that one memorized at one point so that if it came up, if I was speaking and somebody came up afterwards and they were like, you spank your kids, I would have the reference back to you. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. So it doesn't mean that you're just a rat, like just rashly or, or erratically disciplining your kids that way, the same way that if you are rebuking somebody, if you're telling them that they're wrong, that's not a rash decision. It's not erratic. It's not, it's a, it's a careful calculated, I, this is on purpose in a, in a prayed through kind of thing. And, and you have to walk through the process. If you're engaging in that, you have to go through Matthew 5, 7, and 18 in terms of dealing with conflict, because if you don't do that, you are going to create a mess. If I don't first sit down and go, Matthew 7, what's wrong with me? Jesus, what's wrong with me? That is the plank in the eye passage. I'll go ahead and turn there. Matthew 7, verse 3, why do you look at the speck? of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's often used as a, hey, who are you to judge me? You know, even Jesus said, like, deal with your own mess, not mine, which is not what Jesus said. If we actually read that text in its entirety, this is one, it's about judging others. And so one, Jesus is making it very clear that there is an ultimate authority. There's an ultimate judge. There is one who stands and says in or out on the day of judgment, plain and simple. The only one with the decision of finality about a person's standing and existence for eternity is Jesus. That's it. However, he goes further, and, and as he's discussing that, he's saying, like, deal with your mess first as you are loving each other the way that the church or the body or those who follow Jesus, that group of people, if you want to say it the church way or you just want to say it like a group of people who say, yes, I believe in Jesus, they're supposed to speak into each other's life they're supposed to they are supposed to say hey i think you're out of line here hey that looks inconsistent with what the word of god says as we say what is right and just coming from the word of god and your life is not consistent with those with what those words say and so i'm going to love you enough to tell you that but the first thing i have to do is say jesus what's wrong with me before i can address that if i have an addiction to porn i can't speak into somebody else else's life yet why because it's in the way of that i got my own issues if i am angry all the time and i'm yelling at my children and at my wife and my home isn't peaceful i can't go to my friend and tell him that he has a drinking problem like that's what jesus is getting at here like you cannot do that if you don't have, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but you have to deal with your 
crap appropriately the way that God's word says so that you can speak into somebody else's life the way that you're supposed to. Because he does say, once you've done that, you can then go to your brother and do that. And then Matthew 5, so first you have to go, if I'm dealing with conflict or I'm going, this is one of those careful, strategic, if I am rebuking or I'm telling somebody they are wrong, this isn't on Facebook. It's not a comment on Twitter. It's not your response to an Instagram post or a story or a reel or a TikTok or in, like, that's not how, that isn't how you do it. That is not how you engage in a conversation about what's right and what's wrong in somebody's view and, and whatever it is, that is just a mess. That's back to chapter 26 in don't, what was it? Don't address a fool according to his folly, or he will think himself to be wise. Or verse four, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Like, don't like that is, I know that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter did not exist when Solomon wrote that proverb or that saying of wisdom, but at the same time, it is completely applicable in that setting. Just don't, don't respond. Don't engage there. If you know somebody, if your friend does something, man, you you can first, Jesus, what's wrong with me? Is there something that I need to deal with? Because what, what you're dealing with may be, and even said that you can't see clearly, your filter may be messed up and you just can't see it. And you think you're seeing something that you're actually not seeing and it's different. And once you deal with that, you're like, oh, no, that is clear. I've been there. I, I live that one. Okay, so deal with that first, and then it says, where are we at? It's chapter five. This is the one where it says, if you bring your offering and realize somebody has something against you, leave it there and go and make things right first, and then you can come back and give your offering. But I have to find where it's at because we've got chapter five, salt and light, the month of the law, divorce, adultery, Murder, oaths, an eye for an eye. Love your enemies. Where's it at? I feel like this is something that I would have underlined. Giving, that's chapter. Where in the world is that? You got to be kidding me. Again, so if I find myself in this situation when I am studying, or if I'm like, if I were putting a message together and I'm like, I want to reference this and I can't find it. Leave your offering. Matthew 5, 24. I am like looking all around and I just cannot find it. I did highlight it, but it like turned a funny color. If you're watching the video, look at that. It's like this weird faded. Obviously, I've taught that. So this is the Bible that I would teach out of when I was a pastor. And I was all, if I was teaching a section, then it then I would highlight it. You don't care. I'm sorry. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and reconcile to your brother, then come back and offer your gift. So if I'm in the act of worship in terms of the way Old Testament law worked and the way that they would make their offerings and their sacrifices, like I'm bringing a, I'm bringing a lamb or I'm bringing a sheep and I have, I am at the altar and I'm handing it to the priest and he's going to cut his throat, bleeding dry, cut him up, and then burn the insides. And then, and then take the meat, and they're, and they're actually going to use it to 
uh, feed the priests. You're not asking how that happens. But if I'm right there, I'm about to go and I realize Jim has an issue with me, I'm going to say, hey, can you hold Baba? And I'm going to go handle this real quick. And so I'm going to go and say, hey, are we good? What's like, or hey, will you please forgive me for, yeah, we're good. Great. Now I can go back and, and in clear with a clear conscience, I can go back and I can engage in worship the way that God at that point had told him, here is the strategic process you're walking through. We have more freedom now than they did. And, and how that was going to work from a daily, yearly, structurally system. Our, our structure is not the same. Uh, Jesus removed that because he sacrificed himself for us. So we're not doing that anymore. And at the same time, if I am in an act of worship, which should be what, from what Jesus says, just my life should be that. That's Romans 12. My life should just be an act of worship, everything that I do. And then when I'm outside of that, I should deal with it appropriately. And so if I'm engaging in life, like I'm awake, I'm breathing, and I realize, wow, something's wrong right now between me and somebody else, Ephesians 4, like I'm trying to maintain the unity of peace inside this group of people who agree about Jesus and how we've aligned our life and said, I'm going to live this way, then I'm going to go to that, even if they're not inside that circle, I'm going to go to that person and try to make it right. I'm trying to reconcile the best that I can, meaning I'm going to go to you and I'm going to say the words, will you please forgive me for fill in the blank? And now if there's something that is reciprocated on the other side, I'm going to say, hey, it really hurt me when fill in the blank. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond the same way. So now I have looked at my own self and said, what's wrong with me? Oh, that's what's wrong. If it offended somebody else, I'm going to go to them and say, will you please forgive me? If I'm harboring anger because I haven't told that person and given them the opportunity to apologize or to make things right, then I'm going to do that in that conversation. And so now I'm at a point where I can say in Matthew 18, Jesus says, so here's your shift on, wait, who are you to judge me? Well, I, actually, if you're inside this group, if, you're, if you agree, if we've said, yes, we agree that Jesus is real, I've trusted him, I am following him, I agree that the scriptures are hold the secrets to life, and there are what's truth about being, what's true about being right and just, then how do I treat other people? If your brother sins against you, go show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Hey, hurt me when, fill in the blank. Hey, this is inconsistent or it looks inconsistent. Can you help me understand why dot, dot, dot? Is how I'm addressing that. And it's just the two of us. I'm not, I'm not seeking counsel from somebody else. I didn't go ask somebody else, hey, what do you think about this? Or should I talk to him about, like, that's called gossip. I'm going to him and I'm saying, hey, this looks fill in the blank. But if you will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if he says no and like, you're crazy, leave me alone, then I'm going to get two or three, no, excuse me, one or two others who are trusted inside the circle. So if there's a group of whatever it is, whoever is appropriate inside that circle, I'm going to pull them in and we're going to address it. It's no longer gossip when I'm pulling those two people in. Why? Because it, th this is the process we're given. I'm going to go to you face-to-face. -face. didn't work. I'm going to grab one or two people who are trusted, who are appropriate, should be inside the circle. I'm going to invite them to the table because we need resolution to this issue. And we're going to address it. So now we've addressed it. And he said, if he refuses to listen to them, tell the church 
And if he refuses to listen to even the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And so I'm going to you once, I'm going to you twice, I'm going to you three times, and I, I, I am bringing more ammunition is the wrong word, but I'm bringing more uh, authority with me as we, as we do that. And if you continue to say, no, you're crazy, like I'm going to do exactly what I want, this is how I'm going to live, I'm right, you're wrong, um, I, like I'm choosing that every way seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. I'm just seeing the front part or that whole, like, uh, what was it? It was in chapter 22 when we talked about the heart being, the heart of the king being in the hands of the Lord. No, that's not what I wanted to talk about. Maybe it was 25. This is when they start jumbling together. No. Where was that at? Uh, sorry, I, I got sidetracked. I was trying to make a point, a stronger point, and then it sidetracked me. And now I don't I can't even remember what I was trying to use to do that. Beside the point, or beside the fact that I just I ran a rabbit trail that went nowhere and I got lost. The point is. It isn't, it, this is not one, it's like scripture's clear. It's not about, we, we don't judge one another because again, there is a final say. Somebody has the, somebody dictates the, some uh, dictates the wrong word. Jesus is the one who drops the hammer and says, I have finality in the decision on where you stand, period. However, we as a group of people who agree, have the responsibility to appropriately walk through a process of addressing when something is wrong or out of line or inconsistent life-wise with what the scriptures say about truth and justice and what we're supposed to do. I repeated that like four or five times. And this is the process that you walk through in order to do that. And so when Solomon talks about open rebuke, that should be the process because again, the same way that idea of he who spares the rod hates his child, but the one who cherishes him is careful to discipline him. I am carefully, not that I'm your kid or you're my kid or any of that, but we are carefully walking through this process of, I, like, if I'm addressing you that, hey, something's wrong right now, and that's going to hurt, because again, faithful are the, quote, wounds of a friend, it's going to hurt, but it's better than hidden love. Like, that's a better thing than an enemy who's going to, like, tell me all these great things about myself that may or may not be true in order to get whatever agenda, whatever it is. But rather, if somebody is faithfully loving you enough to care enough to say this is inconsistent and it hurts and you know it's coming from somebody you love, that's a great one to go, oh, man, I can like, okay, that hurts, it stings, don't like it. But if it's true, I need to change it. That quote that I mentioned the other day, like somebody is speaking about you, if it's true, if they're speaking negatively about you, if it's true, change it. If it's not, dismiss it. Yeah, so a little like that's more of a public setting and, and not somebody in the inside circle. If somebody in, on your inside circle sits you down and walks through that, that should be a who maybe I should take note of that. I mentioned that the other day when a friend of mine, I had offended him and the process we walked through was carefully calculated and it's, it stung. That was a hurtful when he told me like, Hey, like it was, it frustrated me when you did with like, you left me out of this. It was like, Oh, that, that didn't feel good. 
one, because he's one of my best friends. And two, because it was like, I was wrong in that setting and didn't even see it. But he, it was a faithful wounding that brought uh, healing and life and full restoration. And, and we dealt with that the way that we should have. And it was very appropriate. And that open rebuke was better than what Solomon says, hidden love. Because, quote, faithful are the wounds or wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Uh, we didn't talk about uh, verse three, stone is heavy and sand a burden. When you're working with things, um, I'm sure that's, well, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that's a reference to Solomon was a builder. He was a, I don't know that he was an architect, but he was a mover for sure in terms of he made things happen. They, David had, uh, a desire to build the temple and end up building the palace. And then God said, Hey, you're actually not going to build the temple. Your son's going to do it. And then Solomon wrecked it and just, I mean, amazing. Uh, and did and did more than just build the temple throughout the kingdom. He was known for the different, the different buildings that he was the driver behind and made sure during his reign were built and made not only the, the kingdom from a financial standpoint be successful, but also as it grew and just, they did some cool things and, and well known for doing those cool, those cool things. But at the same time, when you build something, they're building out of stone and using sand and the, the way that they would architecturally put things together. No, that was, that was, a, it was a burden. It was a hard thing. It was hard work. Uh, and he says, but more so than that, more than the years and years and years it takes to not only, uh, cut the stone, move the stone, carry the stone, haul it wherever it's going, put those things together, use the sand as they, all that stuff. It's just like all these things that we have to move to build these things that weighs a ton in the different ways we have to creatively do that or, or strategically do that in order to get it done. What's worse or what's have, maybe not worse, but what's heavier, what's harder to carry is that annoying, constant, uh, deliberate from somebody who is disobedient and ungodly like that's that's worse so like you would rather work the blue collar uh build it any day of the week than be at the table with somebody who just constantly like oh my goodness uh the chirping is it has got to stop it's got to stop it's got to stop and maybe he's addressing that maybe somebody's at the table but he's like wow this is so annoying right now uh, verse, I don't know. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? So again, kind of that idea of like, there are times when it feels like, oh, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. And then back to, so he's, he, it, again, we're not getting all the way through. So it's not like a start and finish, but it's a, there's a flow to it. And in the flow of the conversation, we're talking about like boasting and like, man, success can be gone tomorrow let others praise you but even better than that let others who love you bring rebuke and at the same time in the middle of it he's like man they're they don't get that guy at the table you want the guy who's going to love and rebuke you and not only that but those who get jealous wow that's a mess Right. And, and then goes on. So I guess it doesn't squirrel it, but it, like you got to be like, how does it tie together? And this idea of who am I surrounding myself with? If I, do I have people in my life that 
I call me on my mess, do it appropriately, do it in a way that, yeah, that stings, but it's effective and I can trust it. Or do I have people who are yes men around me and just lavishing, like, who is it around me? And then how do I run my mouth? How do I use my words? How do I talk about success in life and business and family and relationships in whatever arena it is that I play in or am in or whatever that is? What does that look like? And I think the takeaway, the takeaway for me as I read this and go, hey, and just have like I'm having a Wednesday quiet time because today is a Wednesday when I'm recording this. I read that and I go, be careful with your words. Let other people say good things about you if and when they need to be said. Don't surround yourself with people who are who run their mouths, who are disobedient and ungodly, and have a tendency to be jealous. But rather, rather that kind of person, I want to be surrounded with the person who loves me enough to know what God's word says to know what is consistent and inconsistent and isn't afraid to speak that into my life. They will say good things and they will say bad things to my face uh, for the benefit for like, for my benefit. Like I love you enough that I like, I don't want to see that happen with you. I also know that that's out of line with what we are after as a group of people at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about money and success and power and fame and position and, but, but rather like the end goal as we look at what Jesus gave us in the scriptures is I'm going to spend my life doing whatever it is that I'm doing the best I can. And while I do that, those around me who don't know what Jesus has done, I'm going to share that with them in hopes that God might change their heart and their mind about it so that they would spend forever in God's fixed creation. If that's what I'm after, I need people telling me where I'm out of line because my tendency as a human is to get out of line. So who am I, who do I surrounding myself with? Am I surrounding myself with yes men? Am I surrounding myself with, uh, or, or just men who are willing to do those things and do those things appropriately. So Proverbs 27, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day.